all of us uh, want community. We want community. We want friendships. Life is so much better when we have that. Life is so much better when we actually have people in our life that, that love us and care about us, and we, we want community. We want friends. We want people that we connect with, that we're close with. We want people to have fun with. We want people, sometimes Christians use the phrase, to do life with. We, we want those kind of people in our life. We want relationships. We want community. And yet, a lot of times, we find that it is difficult. We find that it's hard. And that can be for a lot of reasons. Some of you are new to Denver or are new-ish to Denver, and so you've left kind of one community and one group and then come to another place, and you kind of have to hit the reset button and restart all over again. Sometimes it's difficult because, not because you've moved, but other people move. And that can be because they actually left, or there's just turnover in relationships that happens a lot of time. Maybe a bunch of you were single and you were friends and then some people got married and then some people had kids or some people moved to a different area. And, it, and there's oftentimes, especially I think in a place like Denver, there's a lot of turnover in relationships. And so even if you felt like, yeah, I've, I've made some friends and it's going well, a lot of times we find ourselves having to hit the reset button over and over and over again on community, different life stages and different changes. Or we know people. And we have community and we have friendships, but it's not as deep as we would want it to be. And we don't always feel that. And you don't feel that immediately. You form friendships and it feels pretty good, but sometimes then you begin to feel, this isn't what I wanted it to be. This isn't what I thought it could be. It's not at the depth. It's not where I hoped that relationships and community could be. And, and a lot of times we feel then stuck and it feels hard. And so many of us feel lonely. We may even feel some form of jealousy where we look at other people's relationships or at least what they project their relationships to be. And we feel like, I, I want that. What am I doing wrong? Am I just like a total weirdo that I don't have any friends? What, what's going on with me? We, we feel maybe just relationships aren't what we want them to be, but what if we could have them better than they are now? Wherever you find them, maybe you don't have community, maybe you don't have friendships, and so better for you is just beginning them, or if you're having to hit the reset button, better is just is starting brand new and actually having them, but what if we could have them better? It might be getting them to begin with. It may be that you feel gaps in your friendships. It may be that you feel areas where, okay, I'm, I'm experiencing something, but not fully what I want. Maybe there's some gaps there. What if they could be better? Or maybe some of us, we've got friendships, we've got community, and we don't even realize that we're missing out on what it could be. It's hard that if, you, if you've never experienced this, we often just say, okay, this is, this is the norm. This is what friendships are. And maybe we actually need to experience more, even if we feel fine, or maybe today your relationships are awesome. Maybe your community is great. Maybe your friendships are as good as they've ever been. But wherever we are, what if we could move forward? What if we could experience more than we have now? Not necessarily more people, but what if we could have better in our friendships, in our community? 
And there's a lot of things we could talk about in that that would help us, and we do talk about that a lot as a church, and, and there's a lot of things you can go back and listen to in various sermons, and you can join us for Startup coming up on Wednesday, and we can talk more about that. But there's one thing, I think, today in this text that we often miss. There's something that is one of the key things that we need to move forward in our relationships wherever we are that a lot of times we don't think about. A lot of times we we miss it. It's not something that comes to our mind when we think about moving forward. And so we're going to explore this together of how we can move forward in our relationships and our friendships, in our community and experience more than we have today. So we're going to read this short section and then we will discover some things. Here's what it says. Luke 18, 19 through 25. We'll just read a couple of these verses and then we'll go into the rest later. It says this about Jesus. Then his mother and brothers came to him, but they could not meet with him because of the crowd. He was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. But he replied to them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear and do the word of God. Such a simple little passage and yet some very profound truth that helps us know what it takes to move forward in our relationships. And here's the first question I just want us to look at is, what is it that Jesus invites us to? What is it, when, when, when we think of moving forward in our relationships, what is it that Jesus is calling us into? What does he desire for us to experience? What does he want for us? And he gives us this really odd statement where he says, my mother and my brothers are those who hear and do the word of God. Now, can you think what would happen if you said that to, to your mom? If my mom called me today and she said, hey, Caleb, how's it going? I would love to, would love to talk to you. And I said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm on the other line with my mother. She would say, what? What do you mean you're on the other line with your mother? I'm your mom. I said, no, my mother is the one that does the word of God. That's my mother. She would not be happy with that. If I sent one of you ladies a Mother's Day card and just said, you know, happy Mother's Day. I know that you hear and do the word of God. And so happy Mother's Day. You are my mother you would think that that was really strange and probably you know, think I might need to have a different job or something, right? But Jesus says, my mother and my brothers are those who hear and do the word of God. Now, such a small little statement and yet very strange today, even stranger back then in a highly familial culture, and yet, here's what this is telling us, and it's such a beautiful truth. What Jesus is inviting us into is not just, like, I, I don't know what you think Christianity is, but if we think of Christianity mainly as receiving good teaching from Jesus, if we think of it as following Jesus and being good followers of Jesus, all of that has some truth in it. But what Jesus is inviting us to is not just to follow him, it's not even just to be forgiven by him but it is to be family with him. It's something so much greater. The offer on the table that Jesus is inviting us to is that he says, I want you to be my family. That's a powerful invitation. Some of us have broken families. Some of you have broken families like I do. Some of you come from, uh, and, and not just necessarily come from, but maybe right now are experiencing a lot of family drama. I've had a lot of conflict and hurt. I've had family that don't talk to each other anymore. 
have had broken relationships, whether that's divorce or being raised by a single mom or all sorts of things that have happened with family. And it can be a warped concept for us then. Some of us, it's not necessarily that our family has been broken, but we've moved away from our family and we're not that close with them. They're not here with us, present. Some of us have very different values from our family. That the call that you have accepted to follow Jesus, the call that you've accepted to become a Christian, has made it so you are constantly at tension with your family. And the values often can tend to weaken those relationships that in some sense should be the strongest. But we feel at tension with those blood bonds. Maybe for some of you, even family has disowned you because of some of these things. And what Jesus is saying to any of us that have a brokenness in our family, or maybe just, maybe it's not even that, maybe it's just we feel like we don't belong. What Jesus is saying is to those that are Christians, I call you my family. He says, I call you my family. I don't know what your family life is like over here, but Jesus says, I call you my family. I call you mother. I call you brother. My mom texted uh, me this morning, texted kind of our family uh, group text chat or whatever, and she has this shelf of, of these pictures of my younger brother and his wife and their kid and my older brother and his wife and their kid. And for, I don't know, it must have been like a year and a half, at least, maybe two years, that where we should have been, our photo was just the photo that the frame came with when she bought it at Target or wherever it was from. And it was these fake, I mean, they're real people, I guess, somewhere, but they're just, they're not me, and they're just like this picture. And that was there because we hadn't taken any family photos or anything like that. And so that was just sitting there. So she texted me today and said, yay, finally got rid of my fake family and I've got my real family up on, up on the wall, right? And if, if you, if in your house, you don't have fake, I mean, unless it's a placeholder, you don't have fake family on your wall. You don't have just random people in your phone. Hey, you want to see my pictures? Who is that? I don't know, but do you want to see? Like, you don't do that, right? Jesus is saying, you're on my wall. Jesus is saying, you're my real family to, to the level that if Jesus had a house, your picture would be on the wall. That people would come over to Jesus' house and, and they would say, who is that on the wall? He would say, that's my mother, that's my brother. I mean, the invitation that he is giving, we, we should hear it in a way that is like, wow, Jesus is calling me? I mean, I don't, some of us need a t-shirt that says, I am Jesus' mother, and people to accuse you of being a crazy heretic. But to say, no, I've got a verse for it. I am Jesus' mother. I, Caleb, am Jesus' mother. You know, I mean, that's a, it's a weird thing to say. But Jesus says, you, I, I am offering you an invitation that's that close. I'm offering you a place on the wall. I'm saying, you are my family. I don't know if you guys are close with your siblings or, or your family. And again, some of us I know have really broken relationships in that regard. But if there's anyone, maybe it's an aunt or a grandma or a brother or sister, whoever it is, and you say, man, I, I know that they would do anything for me. 
again, I know some of you that that won't connect with, but for some of us, I know my brothers that feel like, man, I'm close with them, would do anything for them. I know that they would do whatever it was for me. And Jesus is saying, I'm, I'm your brother. I was thinking about that a lot this week. Thinking about how much I love my brothers and the closeness. And to think, Jesus is, I mean, I, I love them, but Jesus is a way better brother than they are. And he is offering me and he's offering you that brotherhood. To say, I want to give you that special access to me. I want to give you that closeness to me. I want to give you, I mean, I have in some sense, and and you do if you've got family, in some sense, I've got my brother's resources if I need them. In some way, I have access to my brother's resources because he's my brother. And he's got access to my resources because I'm his brother. Jesus is saying, you're on the wall. You're my family. I'm your brother. The care that comes along with that, the resources that come along with that, the access that comes along with that, the closeness that comes along with that, the invitation that Jesus is giving to us is to be family. And and not just with him. He's not just giving us an invitation into family with him. He's giving us invitation into a family of other people united around him. He's giving us access. He's giving us belonging into a family of people. That is what Jesus offers. My brothers, my mothers are the ones. It is the people. It is those collectively. It is the church that Jesus says, I give you myself as family. And I give you a group of people to belong to as family. He's inviting us to himself and to experience a new community, a new family. And listen, again, I don't know what your family is like. And I don't know what your family is based on. I don't know what your family is united around. Sometimes families are united around the drama. Sometimes families are united around arguing and certain kinds of uh, things that they always talk about. And that's what happens. That's what our family is about. Sometimes families are united around fun or they're united around even sometimes a a matriarch or a patriarch of the family. There's all sorts of things that our families can be united around. It might be particular interests or sports or we're this kind of family, whether that's your immediate or extended family. Jesus is saying, I'm inviting into a family that's united around me. I'm inviting you into a community that is defined by me. And no matter what brokenness has been in your life, family related, and no matter what hurt and what conflict and no matter what distance and no matter what value differences, Jesus is saying, I give to you a family that's united around me where you can experience all that family is truly meant to be, not by blood, but by my blood. That's the invitation. So how do we we get that? How do we get to experience this kind of community? And I don't know what your family, uh, not family rather, sorry, I don't know what your friendships or community is like right now. What is it like for you now? How is community? How are friendships? It's a crazy time to kind of ask that question, right? I don't know what it's like for you. I've talked to a lot of people in the last couple weeks And it seems like a theme that 
comes up over and over again that I've heard is that right now, and it makes sense, community is pretty hard. And some people, that's because of all the pandemic-related things that have caused division for some people. For some people, it's just because there's a distance and not being able to see people that they would want to see, not being able to be as close to people as they would want to be. For some people right now, community is hard. They just feel disconnected. Their relationships have changed or ended. For some people, they just feel alone. They feel like they are missing certain people. They feel like their relationships are, are okay, but again, not what they could be. So I don't know what it's like for you right now. But one of the key ways that we get this community, or, or rather one of the key problems, is that the way to get this kind of community, if you want this kind of family that Jesus offers to you, one of the problems is this. The way that we often go about getting that won't actually give it to us. And there's a lot of reasons that our community can struggle. There's a lot of reasons we can feel disconnected. I'm not trying to be simplistic. But one of the key reasons is this, that we often want to find community. We often look for friends. We often want to find friends to have. And all we want is friends. Again, you might be new. You might be new to the church. You might be new to the city. You might be new at a certain job or in, in where you live and go, all I want is just to find some friends. That's what I'm looking for. And the problem is, if our heart is set on, I want to find some friends, all I want to do is make some friends, we actually often miss it. We actually, because of that desire, often don't get the very thing that we want. It is paradoxical. Here's how C.S. Lewis says it. I love this quote because I think it's very helpful and maybe even a little painful. Here's what he says. C.S. Lewis is the great author, professor. He says, that is why, and you know, excuse him, he's British here, but that is why those pathetic people who simply want friends can never make any. The very condition of having friends is that we should want something else besides friends. If all you want is friends, you're not going to get it. The condition of having friends is you have to want something besides friends. Friendship must be about something. Even if it were only an enthusiasm for dominoes or white mice. Those who have nothing can share nothing. Those who are going nowhere can have no fellow travelers. Friendship has to be about something. You cannot just say, I want friends. You cannot just say, all I want is a relationship. It actually has to be about something else that is bigger than the person. Otherwise, you're going nowhere and you have nothing to share and you have nothing to be bonded around. Lewis says it has to be something. It can be white mice or dominoes or something, but it's got to be about something. And the kind of community that Jesus is offering to us, the kind of community that Jesus wants for you is a community that is about something. It is about coming together to hear and do the word of God. The kind of community that Jesus is saying, here is what, it's not white mice, it's not dominoes, it's got to be about something. And Jesus is saying, here is what unites them. 
Here is what they're about. It's a group of people that are coming together to hear and do the word of God. Without this, without this, here's what often happens in our friendships. There's a few things that can happen. It can just get boring. Just come together and what are we doing today? I don't know. We're just looking at each other again. Okay. And come together again and what are we doing now? I don't know. Just going to look at you and laugh and maybe you can tell me something about your work and I can complain about something at my work and and it kind of, over time, that, that's fine once, twice, even a year. But over time, it just starts to feel kind of boring. Or it's actually really shallow. Because when suffering comes into those relationships, they haven't been built on anything. When sin, maybe even more so, when sin comes into those relationships, when one of you begins to hurt the other person, when one of you sins against the other person in some way, there's no foundation. The only foundation is we wanted friends. And so if you sin against that person, immediately you've broken the foundation for those relationships. There has to be a deeper foundation that can last up to sin, that can last up to suffering. Because again, if suffering comes, that makes those relationships really uncomfortable. One person has to really serve another person. One person really has to take more of the burden and be like, that's not what I signed up for. I signed up for friends. I just wanted community. I wanted laughs. I wanted giggles. I wanted just a good time. Or even in Christian circles, sometimes the community is built on hearing just hearing the word of God. It's built on just coming together and maybe even in a community group or something like that and we just listen to God's word. We come here on Sunday and listen to God's word. And even that is not enough. Even that makes it so eventually those relationships feel dry, boring, shallow, with gaps of something missing. So how do we get it? It's got to be both those things together that Jesus says. First, it's hearing. Gathering with people. Instead of saying, I want to, listen, I really, for some of you that feel that, I want community, I want you to hear this. And if, even if this is your first time and you're just starting to say, okay, I want to look for some friends, I want to make some community, I want to build some friendships, I really want you to hear what Jesus says. That if you want the beautiful invitation that he offers, he says, you come together with people to hear God's word. That's the first thing. You come together with people and say, you know what we are going to be about? You know what our common commitment is? You know the thing that's going to unite us even if we're very different? You know the thing that's going to bring us together even if our family is different and our race is different and our socioeconomic status is different and our personalities are different? You know the thing that's going to bind us together? We come together with a common commitment to hear the word of God, to let his voice be the voice in our life. That's what we are gathering to do. That's what we are about. Not just, not just friendship, which means if you want that, get together with a group of people that are looking to hear the word of God. That can start here on a Sunday, but that also means to get into a community group, get into a life transformation group or smaller groups. 
Whatever it is, say, I want, if I want those kinds of friends, I need to gather with people that want to hear the word of God together, to be about that. And then secondly, not just to hear, because a lot of times if that's the only thing you do, you actually miss out again. Not just to hear, but to do, Jesus says. And this really is the key in so many ways, I think, that we miss. And let me just talk to those of you that are Christians especially, and even do church activities and come to church things, community group or LTG. A lot of times, Christians are committed to hearing. We are committed to hearing God's word, which is great. That's a good starting place. That's half of the equation. But if you throw out the other half, then you miss the whole thing. And I've heard it said before that Christians need to be a part of and to be committed to not just Bible study, but Bible doing. Not just saying, I I want a good Bible study, but I want a good Bible doing. Because that is what will bring people together. That is part of what will give you the community that you may be feeling like you are missing. It's, listen, when you're looking for friends, it's not just chemistry. It's not just chemistry. It's not just, ooh, that person, I kind of click with that person, and they've got a good personality, and I've got a good personality. Hey, this is going to be great. It's not just that. What actually builds community the most is action. What actually builds community the most is coming together around, like C.S. Lewis says, a common thing and doing something about it. If any of you have ever been on any sort of team, you have felt that. If you ever were on a sports team, if you ever did basketball or you did football or, or even maybe in high school or college, you went on a mission trip. Remember in college, and excuse me if anyone's watching this online, I went on a mission trip with a bunch of weirdos. And they were all weird. And at the end of it, I love those people so much. And I was like, man, because we came together around a common thing. And they probably thought I was weird too, you know, but we came together around a common thing that we were doing. And for six weeks in another country, we were doing the same stuff. We were hearing the word of God and acting it out. And if you've ever been on a team with people, that same thing often happens. What bonds you together is not we're sitting here listening to information, but we are committed to doing something together. And if that's true with sports, or if that's true with even a work project or a school project, if that can be true with that, how much more is that true when we are bonded together around listening to the word of God and living that out in our lives? That looks like people coming together and saying, Let's be committed to doing together. Let's, listen, you want to make friends? How do you get this? One, find a group of people to hear God's word with. And that that's what they want more than just friends. That wanting friends might feel good in the moment, but it will eventually fail you. Two, people that want to do God's word, which looks like people that want to look at each other's life and say, let's obey together. Let's, let's, let's find ways that you and I can grow and obey together. Where do you need to continually be changed into the image of Christ? Where do I? Let's do that together. Let's help each other. Let's work together to grow and change in our lives. That's committed to doing. Let's be a part of God's mission together. Let's do the things that God has called us to do. Let's do that together. Let's spur each other on towards that. When you commit to doing together, it builds a friendship. 
It builds a community, whether that doing is around personal change and growth or that doing is around God's mission or that doing is around leading and serving even in the church. Some of you have felt that in the church where you've come together with people and you are serving together, whether that's on a Sunday or in a community group and the people that you bond and feel close with are those that are on the same mission doing something together. The closest friends that I've ever built in my life were never just saying, hey, you look like someone I could be a friend with. They were all formed in the fire of doing, of obedience, of saying, let's do something together. This is how we form the friendships that we actually desire. And listen, if we're honest, isn't that different? Isn't that different from how we normally think of friends? When we normally think of friends, how often do we say, hey, do you want to obey with me? How often is that our pickup line? Not that you have like a bunch of friends pickup lines, but how how often is that the thing? It's more, hey, do you want to hang out? It's more, hey, they're kind of the same life stage as us. It's more, they kind of look like us. They look like the kind of people that we could connect with. How often is it, who wants to obey with me? Who wants to do, who wants to hear and do what God says with me? This is the way that Jesus says we actually experience this deep community with others. But listen, it's also the same with God. It's also the same with God. The invitation that Jesus gives to us is to experience community with him, where he says, you're my family, but it's also he's inviting us to experience that with others. The way that we get that is hearing and doing with others, but that's also how we experience it with God. Do any of you, and don't raise your hand, I'm just, want, I'm asked questions so you can kind of process this in your heart, but do any of you feel dry spiritually? Do any of you feel not as close to God as you maybe once did? Or that you want to feel? I know that's many people. Maybe. There can be a lot of reasons, again, for that. But maybe. There's too much focus on being fed. Maybe the problem is there's too much focus on listening to God. Maybe, or or even if that's not what your focus is on, maybe that's what you think the solution is. If you feel dry right now, and if you feel kind of in that place right now, maybe you think, okay, you know what I need? I need to spend more time listening to God. I need to spend more time hearing from God. And there's a part of that that's true. But there's a part of that that will lead us to missing out on what Jesus wants for us. One of the commentators on Luke, one of the kind of key commentaries for this book, I I love the way he said it, but he says this, most Christians would probably say that we come closest to him, to God, through prayer and reading the Bible. But with searching practicality, Jesus says that the way to be close to him, even as close as his own family, is through being receptive to hearing God's word and then doing it. Hours of praying and reading the Bible will not bring disobedient Christians as close to the Lord as doing his truth brings even the simplest believer. The pathway to our intimacy with God, to our closeness, to our spiritual fire instead of dryness, So many times when I talk to people 
they feel like, I'm just, I just need more content inside of me. Maybe there is a commitment to hearing that needs to take place. If you've totally shut out the voice of God, then yes, you need that. But it doesn't matter. If you're living a disobedient life, if you're not committed to action, if you're not committed to actually taking steps to obey Jesus, you'll never experience what it is that you're hungering for. Which is why Jesus says, my family, my family are those that hear and do the word of God. So, how do we sustain this kind of, how, excuse me, how do, we, how do we get this kind of community? Jesus doesn't just, want you to, doesn't just want you to believe. He doesn't just want you to take notes, but obedience. Practically, practically what it means of how you get this with people is find a group of people that want to be committed to hearing and obeying. And practically what it means with God is in your life to commit to hearing and obeying, filling that gap of dryness, not just with more information, but with obedience. Lastly, how do we sustain this community? How do we sustain this? Because the invitation or the offer that Jesus gives to us is a deep, close family. Not just following, not just forgiveness, but family. A deep closeness with him and with the people he brings us into. The way we get that is a commitment to hearing and obeying. But how do we sustain that? Because that can be hard. Obeying is fine for a while. And then a lot of times what happens in our lives is it gets difficult. It gets challenging. Things come up. There's chaos around us. And when there's chaos around us, when there's danger even sometimes around us, when there's difficulty around us, the pressure on us makes it harder and harder to have is our commitment to hear and obey. We may start to make compromises instead of obeying. When our environment is out of control, we may try to take control in ways that we know we shouldn't. We may begin to disobey even just in our hearts with longing after other gods, other solutions that can take care of us. So it becomes difficult. We can talk about a community that is hearing and obeying, but sometimes it begins to be hard for us when life gets challenging. Sometimes the very thing that actually hurts the community that we're in is other people calling us to obey. We signed up for relationships. We signed up for community. And then the community around us is saying, hey, obey here. And we actually then don't really like that, don't really want that. I thought, I, why are you being so judgmental? I thought you loved me. I thought we were friends. I thought we could be close. And so when life gets chaotic, when life gets difficult, when life gets challenging, a lot of times the commitment to obey begins to wane. And the next little snapshot that follows right after this saying that Jesus gives about my mother and my brother are those that hear and do the word of God, the, the very next snapshot we get is this story that has a key question, I think, that can help us to sustain this kind of community. Here's what it says. It's a famous story. You've probably heard it. It says, one day he and his disciples got into a boat 
And he told them, Jesus, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. So they set out, and as they were sailing, he fell asleep. Then a fierce windstorm came down on the lake, and they were being swamped and were in danger. They came and woke him up, saying, Master, Master, we're going to die. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, so they ceased, and there was a calm. He said to them, Where is your faith? They were fearful and amazed, asking one another, Who then is this? He commands even the winds and the waves, and they obey him. How do we sustain this community. That this story just gives us this key question, which is, where is your faith? Where is your faith? See, when life gets chaotic, when life gets stormy, when there's waves crashing in, which probably for some of us, we have felt like that for a year. Like, oh, you're crossing a lake, big whoop. My whole year has felt like that, right? You go, man, life, I want to obey. I want to follow Jesus. I want to, but life gets chaotic. Storms come. How do we sustain a community built around hearing and obeying? Jesus says, here's a key question. Where's your faith? Where is your faith? Because we put our faith in other things. As soon as this job comes through, everything will be okay. As soon as this money comes through, everything will be okay. As soon as I move, everything will be okay. As soon as, as soon as I can get married, everything will be okay. As soon as I have kids, everything will be okay. As soon as my kids leave, everything, go back to school, everything will be okay. As soon as I can do this, everything, whatever it is, we, we kind of oftentimes put our faith in these certain things. And the question that Jesus asks to them, to us, in the middle of whatever chaos, in the middle of whatever makes it difficult to sustain an obedient community is, where is your faith? When you begin to doubt that God is gonna be good to you, and so you feel the need to get what you feel you need in some other way, when you begin to doubt that God is in control, and so you feel you need to take control in a way that you shouldn't, where is your faith? When you begin to be kind of consumed with the thoughts of other people and forget what God says about who you are. And that leads you to make choices you shouldn't make. Where is your faith? When there's certain things that you want and they're outside of what God reveals to us. And you say, but I don't understand how God could keep me from that. It's a good thing. Where is your faith? See, this is the question that each of us needs to answer if we want to sustain a community that is built on hearing and obeying. How do we sustain it? We have to know who he is. We have to know who he is, which is what Jesus asks them a question, where is your faith? And they ask a question, who is this? That even, even nature obeys him. Even the winds and the waves obey him. See, the core of experiencing deep community is obedience. But the core of obedience is trust. You don't obey someone that you don't trust. And the core of our trust is returning to who is he? 
Who is he? See, when Jesus asks the question, where is your faith? If I could expound upon that or kind of translate that to what he has just said, linking it to that story and to our life, it could be something like this. What kind of brother do you think I am? Don't you remember I said I was your brother? Don't you remember, like, whatever's going on in your life and whatever feels chaos and wherever it's kind of hard to obey and it's, ah, and you're not sure and and it seems like Jesus is asleep right now, like sleeping in the middle of a storm. Wherever, Wherever that is going on in your life, Jesus would look at us and say, what kind of brother do you think I am? Didn't I tell you that you were my family? What kind, of, what kind of family member do you think I am? What, how do you think I treat those in my family? Do you think I'm a bad brother? Where's your faith? Do you think I don't see what's going on? Do you think I'm, do you think I'm not aware of what's going on in your life? Do you think I don't care? I, I just said you were my family. I just said, even as much as my own mother, I just said, you're my mother. I just said, you're my brother. Where's your faith? And it's a rebuke, but I think it's a gentle rebuke that's a reminder to say, don't you remember what I just said about you? I, I know there's wind and waves. I know there's real danger. Jesus isn't dismissing it. I know there's real danger, but where's your faith? What are you putting it in? What are you thinking it is that you need? Who do you think that I am? This is the question that Jesus gives to us because the way that we sustain community is through our trust, our faith, remembering who he is and reminding each other of that spurring each other on. Like like Hebrews says, we've looked at this verse before, where Hebrews talks about, don't let any of your hearts wander away and be deceived, developing an unbelieving heart, but rather to spur one another on, to encourage one another, to exert one another toward belief, as long as today is called today. This is what Jesus is giving us in this story. Community that we want is built on an obedience to Jesus. And an obedience to Jesus is built around knowing who he is as one that says, I care about you. I have all the resources in the world for you. And even if, even if you're in the middle of a storm, obviously that doesn't mean I don't care about you. There must be some reason that I've got you in the storm. There must be some reason that I'm allowing it. Where's your faith? Don't you know I'm a good brother and I care about you and I call you mine? I've got your picture on the wall. You're mine. We all want community to begin, to start, to be better, to continue. How do we move forward? Oftentimes we're stuck because we're either just looking for community or we're settling for something less than what God intends. But the key is hearing and obeying with trust at the core. This is the way to experience what he wants for you. 
This is what I want for you. This is what we as a church want for you. This is what Jesus invites us into. So I don't know exactly what that means for you today, but here's my encouragement as a practical application is take a step. For some of you, that's coming this Wednesday to start up. Sign up for that. Learn a little bit more about community. Learn a little bit more about how to get connected. Maybe it's coming tomorrow to the, to the men's thing or to the ladies' thing. And for those of you that are in a community group, right now our community groups are going through a curriculum to, to try to be committed to hearing and obeying together. If you're in a community group, push into that. Don't just show up and want community. Let it be bonded around obedience to Jesus. And let me say this too for those of you that are married. Part of what will build an intimacy in your marriage is this same thing. This principle works across the board. Have a conversation with your spouse and say, how can we be more committed to hearing and obeying together? Maybe the lack of intimacy that you feel, maybe the, the marital problems and lack of closeness isn't so much because you need to you know, ignite things in the bedroom or that you need to do whatever, but maybe there's a lack of hearing and obeying together that could build a deeper intimacy. That one's just kind of a side note. Okay. We're going to take communion. When we, when we take communion, we remember exactly the question that Jesus asked. He said, where's your faith? And when we take communion, we're remembering the kind of brother that we have. We're remembering that we have every reason to trust him. That he, he didn't just calm the waves. He didn't just calm the sea. But he came into the chaos of this world and silenced and rebuked Satan, sin, and death. Not just through a word but through his death on the cross, silencing the voice and the waves and the chaos around us by sacrificing his life for us, by forgiving our sin and calling us family, by not just wiping away a debt, but bringing us, adopting us into a family, that Jesus came into the worst chaos that there's ever been, a world broken by sin and death that rejected him as father and brother. And instead says, I'll take that on. I'll remove all of that and call you mine. And so when we take communion, we're allowing our hearts to remember again, this is who he is. I have every reason to trust and every reason to obey and every reason to be thankful that I'm a part of this family. So would you take some time as you take communion, pray these things, confess where you need to confess, Thank him where you need to thank him. Also, I'll be in the back. If anyone would like prayer for anything, I'd love to pray for you. We'd love to pray for healing for you. We can't promise that, but love to pray for that. If you'd like to be in the back, you can also take this time to, to take some next step. You can go to our next step page and say, maybe my response right now is in obedience, to take a step in community. Pray with me, and then we'll spend some time in communion. God, I thank you that you gave us Jesus. Jesus, we thank you that you, in such an amazing statement, say that we are mothers and brothers. We don't deserve that. 
It's not because of the things that we have done that make that possible, but only because of your free gift. Only because of your kindness and your grace and your love and what you did on the cross to bring us into your family. Lord, let those truths sink deeper into our hearts even now and let us be a community built around you. And I pray, Lord, for all of the people here and online that want community. God, I know you see their hearts. And I pray you would lead them to the best next steps for them to experience what you want for them. In your name, Jesus.